This is the ZMAR Podcast. Elite Benefits of America helps small and mid-sized companies with their health insurance programs. And now, your host, Butch ZMAR. I'm going to start off by talking about scuba diving and process and setups and maybe some uh, people that are listening to this maybe uh, get some insight on, you know, even just the try scuba and then I want to connect it with processes and, and steps for uh, employee benefit programs. So with learning uh, the scuba diving, a lot of times people get excited and we did a ton of try scubas in the past. Uh, I was taught for many, many years. I still hold a teaching license, still pay for my dues and insurance, just a hockey world to go over. But People walk into these classes and they're super exciting, uh, excited, and uh, it's a new process, it's new fun, it's new equipment, and new exposure, new environments, and some people dive into it uh, with no fear and everything's fine and, and they're having a good old time and it's either all that they expected or more, uh, and then every now and then um, people jump in feet first and then they find out it's not for them. And so, so I'm actually going to walk you through that process. Maybe some of the listeners here never scuba dive. Maybe you'll get some insight on how the process works. I highly, highly recommend people at least do want to try scuba before any vacations because they do do resort courses while you're there. But resort courses are one of the most dangerous in the world of classes when it comes to scuba diving. And so if you at least do it on your own time and um, locally when it's convenient for you, most of the time the pool's indoors and not outdoors in the Midwest at least. And so it's all a very controlled environment and it's at your own pace in uh, almost 100% of the cases. And in a lot of cases, it'll actually be more semi-private, meaning in smaller groups instead of 20 people in the class and you're bumping elbows in the pool with other people and you're not really sure what's going on because the, the scuba instructor in Mexico has an accent and you can't really understand if you're if he meant turn the valve on or turn the valve off. And so the first thing in try scubas is uh, obviously fill out the paperwork. There's some liability release and some technicalities, some growing up and adulting stuff. But then we get into um, a video is most cases that people will watch in the classroom. It's a DVD. There is a flip chart. I love the flip chart, but I also come from the old school environment. Flip chart um, because I get to create my own video out of it. I can give my own stories instead of what's on the video. So as a scuba instructor, it just seemed a lot more personal that way. And then overall orientation, like what a scuba regulator is, what is a fin? Some people have never used or seen it, and what's a boot, and you know what's an SPG, and all this stuff. So we get an orientation of what all this stuff means, and it's completely fifty thousand foot overview. And it's like a fire hose effect, but you just kind of have a smile on your face and you just keep moving. So most people haven't done scuba diving. So after all these years and modern technology and computers and the safety of diving has drastically uh, increased over the years, I think the number is still between 1% and 2% of the total population actually hold a certification card. At the same time, 75% of the world is uh, filled with water. And so it's amazing the number of people that don't um, scuba dive. Um, they go their whole entire life. I remember working in the scuba store, retail store, um, here in the south side of Chicago. And this older gentleman, and if I had to guess, he was probably in his late 70s or early 80s. And he just came in one time and one time only that I'm aware of. And he just walked around the store looking at all the stuff. And he uh, made a comment that, his entire life, one of the things that he always wanted to do was scuba dive and he never had the opportunity. And so 
I highly encourage everybody just to jump in and have fun with it. So, but it's all about the baby steps, especially when uh, you're learning something new, just like an employee benefit program. Um, because when things change, it's outside of your comfort zone. Uh, you have to have a basic understanding. So obviously in scuba, the first thing is the breathing side. You think that's the easiest part? It's probably one of the hardest parts. Uh, you have to you have to believe something new, and a lot of people have this preconceived notion that you can't breathe underwater. They realize they see it in movies and they see it in pictures, but the actual concept when it comes to you actually breathing underwater water, um, becomes uh, a little bit of a different experience. Um, in some ways, I call that the, the pucker factor, but it's uh, a little bit of a panic uh, and excitement all at the same time. And it just depends how you control it. Another uh, thing you have to understand is ear and mask pressure. Uh, so those who wear a mask and just dive down into a pool have probably noticed some pressure. Um, and there's ways to equalize that. And then obviously your ears, if you ever went to a 12-foot pool and went down to the bottom, you would know that there's pressure there. Well, how in the world do you get to 50 feet or 100 feet deep and see the natural wonders of the earth? Um, and uh, we walked through that. And then I always say uh, underwater, it's gravity in reverse. And it's just uh, oxymoron because, you know, people go scuba diving. They just kind of forget how gravity works even underwater. And so rocks still sink. And so there is neutral buoyancy, and there's a little bit to learn from that. But in the beginning, you sink like a rock because you have no idea what you're doing. And so there's a little bit of orientation with that. Depth perception, uh, perception is probably the biggest key because your vision is off completely. So where you try to reach for something and it's not there, um, it's definitely an interesting experience. And then in translation back to youth hockey, because that's all uh, I do every day, it seems uh, with my kids on the ice, is that when the kids start learning to move pucks around the ice, they have a depth perception, even though it's different. But that that's my correlation because it's all about angles and where the puck is going and 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 I use depth perception as an example of um, how the kids have to learn how to uh, view the ice and puck differently because on dry land, uh, street hockey, the balls move differently. So the gear setup, uh, we're using a pneumatic system, and most people don't use pneumatic systems. It's uh, Pneumatic is uh, full of air, and so when to pressurize it and when to not to pressurize it. You could blow uh, O-rings, you can have gushing air and there's a lot of things to work with and it can be overwhelming so that we go through a step-by-step -step so that you don't have air just blasting out and one you're wasting the air but two is super loud and annoying and so and in some cases if you're not paying attention employee benefit programs could be loud and annoying too and that's why most people gravitate to what they know especially with in the business environment so you must go through you know things in a certain order so when you're setting up the tank there's orientation of hose, how tight you may, might make uh, the connection because you over tight it, you can blow the pressure or blow the O-ring, uh, you could damage it. And if you don't tighten it enough, uh, the O-ring could slip. I mean, there's a number of things. There's pressure gauges, you point it away when you turn it on. And there's a lot of things that go step by step. And I think some of the people listening to this podcast, they're probably having fun and ready to go scuba diving. And we'll get to the business side of things here in a moment. So in the water, um, it's not just another swim. Um, so we go step by step again. We stand first. We breathe with our face in the water. Uh, we kind of uh, gotta get a feel. There's some people that panic from the word go when all you're doing is putting your face down. You're still standing. 
your shoulders are still above the water and you're just kind of leaning over and putting your your eyes underwater with your mask on and the regulator in your mouth and all of a sudden you got bubbles going across your cheeks and it's definitely uh, an interesting experience at first and then you actually step down and you kneel so most of the time you're in a three foot section or give or take and then you go on one knee or two knees for that matter um, that way you could still stand up most of most of the time i always recommend going down one knee because then you still have one to push up if uh, you feel uncomfortable and there's some anxiety going on or uh, you feel like there might be an issue even though it's probably a uh, false indication but um, there's a comfort zone we have to get through and then eventually we sit in three feet of water so sometimes we just sit on our butt with our feet in front of us in some pools there's going to be a ledge and your feet will hang over the ledge and then we just kind of kind of breathe and get used to it. it's kind of weird because air bubbles are going past your cheeks again going to your ears and if you have longer hair uh, the air gets trapped into the hair a little bit and your hair is floating out uh, just new experiences that you may not have before one of my uh, go-to's at that point is definitely a torp. Uh, it's a uh, torpedo. It's a torpedo underwater, and you kind of play catch. And this is where depth perception comes in, and, and your vision is a little bit off. And when you try to play catch, um, the vision on your hand doesn't match up. And so usually it, it's pretty fast for you to catch up on that. But um, at first, you're like, why can't I catch this thing? It's, I could see it, but I just can't reach out and grab it. And then obviously the biggest thing is controlling your breathing and staying calm because it's so easy. It's a, it's a high pressure tank that or, or high pressure air going through the system, but then it's broken down. That's what they call the second stage, the part that goes in your mouth. So it's broken down on the second stage, uh, just in layman's terms. But, but it's so easy to breathe from it. In some cases, depending on how stuffy the air is there in the summer months, it might be easier to breathe in a scuba regulator. So especially at depth. And so it's so easy to increase your breathing rate, but we have to learn how to stay calm. And obviously, eventually you get to swimming. This is where gravity comes in. You move over to the edge and all of a sudden, poop, you drop like a rock. Um, so you have to learn how to add um, air to the jacket, uh, which is called a buoyancy control device or known as a BCD. And if you put too much, you're back to skyrocketing to the surface, which um, I always say there's no rockets in my class. Um, and so you have to be careful on how much air. So years ago, before they had these manufactured vests, they would use milk jugs. And so a little tidbit there. So gradual light swim, and, and obviously we move to having fun and, and swimming around, and then eventually you have to go through a disassembly, which obviously my whole point of moving through all this is they're step-by-step. Step. So uh, when you disassemble scuba gear, you have to depressurize the pneumatic system and then unclip and um, unhook things. And then there's general maintenance most of the time. The, the jacket, the vest um, gets uh, water inside because of pressure, uh, low pressure and high pressure uh, situations. And so there's ways to dump that out. Dust tab and caps go on the regulator. And then obviously the debrief and how much fun you had. So obviously there's a step-by-step -step, uh, process to learn how to dive. And that's just pull dive number one. Um, for the scuba certification, you could have anywhere from four to eight sessions uh, plus the academic session with a test. And then you still have to do most of the time four to five scuba dives with an instructor in the open water, basically de demonstrating that you still remembered everything you learned in the pool. But even after all that, when you try scuba or you go through it one time, uh, you're not proficient at all uh, or confident. 
um, whether it's the assembly, disassembly, or swimming. Um, in the class, you have to assemble and disassemble the equipment at least 10 times. And there's times where we do it all at once, and then we do more throughout the class. Um, you'll, most of the time, you'll forget. It's a perishable skill. And putting together, and we'll get the employee benefits programs here shortly, but uh, and putting together employee benefit programs can be a perishable skill too. You get panicked. Uh, you, there's some anxiety that goes on. You're not going to give it enough time. And strategies that are different today, there's the old way and the new way. And we'll get to the, those here shortly. If you own a business, Elite Benefits of America wants to remind you that health insurance open enrollments are either happening now or coming very quickly. And this is the time to review and implement a health care plan to make or keep you as the employer of choice. Deadlines for open enrollment range between November 1st and January 1st. Get ahead of the curve. The Small Business Special Enrollment Period, part of the Affordable Care Act, now allows employers with 49 employees and under to offer health benefits without contributing a dime to the employee plan. Help your employees save money on taxes with health insurance they're already paying for with their hard-earned dollars. Butch Zemar from Elite Benefits of America wants you to reach out to him today. Visit EliteBenefits.net or call 708-535-3006. But buoyancy uh, is definitely a next thing that you need to learn in scuba, and it's a lifelong uh, development. The same thing with building employee benefit programs. It took me, uh, and now granted, I started scuba diving at the age of 14. Um, around 19 is when I hit my 100th dive. Now, I wouldn't say I was great at buoyancy, but I, that's when I knew how to work all the levers and the controls. I knew what one if I did one thing, I knew what was gonna you know the counter effect would be, and and when, that's when you really started feeling comfortable. Some people it can be fifty dives, it could be twenty dives, but I don't think twenty dives is enough. I think fifty is a little bit more reasonable, and I, for me it was a hundred dives. So hundred repetitions in order to before buoyancy was definitely a control factor. But moving to the business world, um, the benefits is the same thing. So unfortunately, if you don't go through the step-by-step correctly, just like in scuba, I always say the scuba equipment could literally kill you in a lot of ways, not to scare anybody, but a benefit program could really kill a company. And so uh, it currently exceeds profits for most people, uh, that limits growth, you miss opportunities, uh, whether it's marketing or product development or hiring that key employee because you can't afford to do what you need to do with the benefit program. So with the benefit program, there's the, uh, what I call the old way and a new way. Old way is the traditional way. And so when you shop for carriers, you usually bounce between two. Uh, sometimes you go to a third company. They're usually big branded carriers. There's no data. That's the biggest issue. There's no data to go by other than the renewal when you get a 10% increase. And Unfortunately, if you're a company that's under 10 employees, uh, you're the runt of the litter, unfortunately. And so there's very little options. There are opportunities in some cases to actually get out of um, some of those carriers or, or fixed rate programs that you don't have any data on. Uh, but uh, it's a case by case at that point. Um, a lot of times, uh, or almost 100% of the time, the brokers are paid directly by the carriers. The bonuses, they have bonus incentive programs for the broker. And so um, the you're not paying for the broker, so it seems like a commodity or because you're not have any skin in the game. 
And it's always this rat race of renewals and do we switch carriers? What do we do? Is there better options? And most of the time you're trading dollars. Like most of our smaller groups, even midsize sometimes, especially on the big branded carriers, the old school way, uh, a lot of times it's uh, it's it's six to one, half dozen the other. So damned if you do, damned if you don't. You move the one option, you give up something else. And then there's always these caveats. The new way, uh, it's not really new. It's been around for a long time. And so... Um, yeah, you don't have to bounce back and forth between these two carriers. This is really good strategy for especially the 10 employees and over. Uh, if you're 50 to 100 or even over 100 and you're still with the same two carriers bouncing back and forth, shame on you. You have you have to open up your mind. The biggest thing is is um, building strategies to reduce costs, but with new data that's not available on the traditional programs. And so uh, you have to get away from those programs. The sooner you move away from the the fixed rate uh, Affordable Care Act type plans, or even just the branded carriers, then we could start gaining some more leverage. And so, um, and move away, but you're going to have to move from mainstream company. There's so many other insurance companies out there. They're just not pumping millions of dollars in marketing, uh, but they they're, do just fine. The networks are fine. In some cases, we eliminate the network and the employees can go anywhere. Um, you can leverage other programs, enhance the employee's experience, and provide incentives to maximize better um, decisions. And, and in turn, those better decisions will cost less money. Uh, you pay your bro broker directly. Know what their time is worth. Keep them uh, unbiased because if we're getting bonuses or having certain commissions paid by the carrier, we become a little bit biased. It's easier to collect from the insurance companies to collect from customers, even though the rest of the world does it. But there's two sides of paying them. There's the consulting and then the service side. They're two completely different roles. Traditionally, we package them together. So a lot of brokers that are charging a fee base, all they're really doing is carving out what they would have been paid by the carrier. And that's a great start. I'm not downplaying that at all. I'm just saying that I do believe that the consultant world is going to change and there will be a consultant fee and then a servicing fee. And whether the servicing fee is pay still paid in a commission, but the consulting is going to be broken out because um, we're just not getting paid enough for our time and it should have been um, separate anyways. Um, separate consultant, business consultants out there that do evaluations on all areas of business, uh, they do consult on benefit programs as well as workers' comps and general liability and you just pay them a fee to evaluate because they have more experience than you. And that's really what it comes down to. Uh, so why, would you, why wouldn't you pay your broker um, a separate consultant fee? And it allows you to choose who you're servicing company. If you want to use payroll, that's fine. Then you, you're paying the payroll company to service your account. Um, but then you put an uh, insurance agent on retainer for consultant. You know, as, as, as time goes on, you can tap into the consultant fee that you prepaid or, or some type of billing that's agreed upon in a contract, and you can get your advice as needed um, as time goes on. And you free up the broker's time more valuable things um, as well. Instead of daunting uh, invoices that are off by a few dollars or employees didn't um, you know, enroll on a certain date because it's outside of our control. A number of things that we fight for and help our clients that we're only paid a certain fee for. So there, uh, with the benefit program, there is a process for it, just like the scuba equipment and how to put it together. And so I'm going to walk you through a few things and then um, and take some notes if you need to. But uh, first off, you have to be ready. Just like scuba, you, you have to be ready to try scuba. It is not for everybody. But 
um, in order to be ready to look for better outcomes, um, uh, you have to be less loyal to the big branded carriers. You have to they're, because they're not they're game in the system that you're so loyal. The loyalty is not in return. They're not showing you what they're making. Um, and uh, we could have a side discussion on, you know, the Affordable Care Act created an incentive for them to actually produce more profits. And so they're making more money now since the Affordable Care Act than prior. So um, they were the Affordable Care Act was there to help tame the insurance companies because they claimed they were being overcharged. Now they're making more. And so go figure the government gets involved and the whole program got worse. And so, and on another topic with affordable care act, the preexisting conditions for those who are like, well, they solved the preexisting preexisting conditions was a myth. And so, um, every state had a solution for preexisting conditions. Um, just most, we didn't get paid for it. And so, most brokers didn't do do anything with it because there was no commissions involved. And the rest of the world didn't know about it because the brokers weren't pushing or driving that program. You have to welcome change, right? Different environment, just like in scuba. So there's a lot of people that can't get the concept of breathing underwater. You have to believe that there's a better way to do business. And it's not the same way you've been doing it for the last 30 years. Again, you have to be open-minded. You have to welcome the change. It's a new environment. And I tell you, once you get used to scuba diving, there's a lot of times that being underwater is far better than being on the surface. I always joke and said, underwater, you can't hear people screaming or crying babies or, and cell phones not ringing off the hook. Or you're not receiving text messages. It takes you to a whole new world, right? And so with the benefit program and the right head in the right direction, we'll take you to a whole new uh, level to expand your business or move it, make it more profitable, uh, pay your employees better, a number of things. The approach is different, right? So you can't, you know, just use common knowledge and use a pneumatic system when you never used it before. The pressure could really make some damage. Um, so uh, the pressure from the water, right? So you're going to receive some outside pressure when you move to a different program. Um, and, and part of that pressure is, but it's not a big blue card or a green card that people are used to and it's on advertisement on TV all the time. And so, but you have to trust the system just like you have to trust scuba gear because you've never done it before. And probably um, most people have not had somebody that actually taken that close of a look uh, at scuba. And so it's a new experience. So how are you going to trust the whole, you know, what's going on in the scuba world anyways? And so you have to have a little faith. You get somebody to guide you. And work through it another one is gravity underwater right so um we talked about that as well and so the non-traditional route uh is definitely the way to go especially to have different outcomes and have better enhanced benefits for your, your employees so a quick case study i brought this up before in another podcast um so a company uh that reduced costs we had one that uh, end up um, saving $75,000 a year in gross premiums while actually eliminating their deductible and out-of-pocket expenses. And so, and, and, and in certain situations, you could go anywhere you wanted to go, but you'll have a little bit more out-of-pocket. But if you um, use the program right, your employees just eliminated their cost. And so, and the employer just saved $75,000 a year. What is that going to do for uh, that company? And then it, it's all about learning the process. It takes a long time to do this. You can't be an expert at scuba diving and just to try scuba or even just five open water dives. You're going to have to take some time for the process. And so you're not going to tackle everything at once. You're going to learn bits and pieces. You don't become a uh, glorified shipwreck diver um, when you have five dives in. It just doesn't happen. You have to take the class. You have to learn a little bit 
not only learn, but you have to practice and put it into place and help educate uh, yourself as well as the people around you. And so definitely a lot of practice that goes into it, just like putting together a benefit program. And that's what you use guidance from an insurance broker. Um, And so it's up to you if you want to use the old way or the new way, but definitely learn the process and how to get you out of um, the bad situation that you're in with driving costs and premiums.